And uh, Chris is sitting comfortably in the WNRI studios. It should be pretty comfortable in here. It's only 68 degrees. Are you comfortable? Good morning, Roger. Good morning, listeners. I am perfectly comfortable in the presence of a Hall of Famer uh, and excited to be able to do this show with you uh, and spend two hours with you a week. It's great. All right. Well, um, we'll have some good news on Thursday uh, the, to announce on the program. Uh, that's just a, what we call a teaser. Uh, but uh, it'll be uh, some good news, and it involves you, too, uh, Mr. Boulay. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but Thursday is the day that we'll be making the announcement, and we're pretty happy about it. I have no idea, but I'm waiting with bated breath. Okay, good. <laughs> we have a caller waiting, but we do want to let you know we have a bunch of topics uh, to talk about, whether it's uh, a Joe Biden slip-up or whether uh, Bob Kraft is finally going to uh, see the end of uh, his uh, scandal, at least um, as it is, um, you know, in the legal, uh, shall we say, the legal realm. Uh, we might talk about that. Um, we have, um, looks like we have some debates coming up, presidential debates. We also have a local debate here. Um, Jeff doesn't call it a debate. Uh, we do have a meeting between Mayor Lisa Baldelli-Hunt and uh, Vice President of the Council, John Brien, coming up in October, which we'll be broadcasting here. Um, so uh, that's out there. This, uh, as Chris sat down in the studio today, I said, Chris, we've um, shorter commercials. We've got a lot of things to talk about today. Before we hit our first phone call, can you choose the first topic that you had on your list? Because I know you were up at 4.38 this morning working on the show. <laughs> well, And I appreciate that. No, too. no, my, my, my pleasure. This uh, is a well-prepared program. You know, sometimes I'm busier than others, but I always want to have the same commitment to excellence and Thank make you. sure that you know, people uh, find this. We don't want to be preachy. We want to bring information that will... You know, stock conversation look like we have, but obviously the passing of uh, Associate Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader uh, Ginsburg passed away, I think, on 918, and that's going to change the landscape. And obviously it's going back and forth. And as, pres as uh, Vice President Pence said, that I think it's been 29 times, if I'm not mistaken, that there's been an opening on the Supreme Court in the last uh, year of an election cycle. And... Um, you know, she passed away, and it's the constitutional duty of the president to fill that. And it just makes it uh, very cumbersome the way the Democrats are approaching it. As a matter of fact, we can talk about it. It looks like they have the votes to pass through an appropriate nominee. And uh, I don't think the uh, Speaker of the House really helped the cause by saying that she wanted to impeach the president for carrying out his constitutional duties. <laughs> it's uh, ridiculous, right? It, it is. And the only thing you can do, and, you know, I'm not a registered Republican. I, I am an independent. I was a registered Democrat for a long time. But all we can do is just vote these people out and make sure that they're not in the, in the majority. It's just crazy that she says the president, it's in the Constitution, has a constitutional duty to... Uh, fill the vacancy with a nominee. It's up to the advice and consent of the United States Senate to review it. And it would not even happen. This would actually be held up if it wasn't for the nuclear option that Harry Reid, Senator Harry Reid, did in 2013. They specifically wanted the U.S. Senate to be more of a deliberative body. You know, it's taken off at the House of Lords in, in uh, England, and the House of Commons is the House of Representatives. And for years and years and years, it's got to be a couple hundred years maybe, that it took 60 votes in the U.S. Senate to pass a nomination of something or pass a bill. So Harry Reid, not looking forward, in 2013 said, we're going to have the nuclear option, therefore the, the Democrats are in charge, and it's not only going to require a simple 
majority. Well, it changed on everything, and now I think it's 53 to 47 with the vice president breaking any tie. So it looks like another person will be appointed by the president, and it's the Democrats' own fault. We're going to grab a call, but I have a homework assignment for you before the end of the program. I think you already know the answer. This was left over from last Thursday's program. Will Chris Boulay please explain in layman's terms, non-computer person type uh, terms, what is TikTok? <laughs> because it's been in the news, and um, I really do believe that um, uh, if the, the generation is over 40, there are very few people who know what the heck it's all about. But anyway, that's beside the point. Time for caller number one, and let's uh, get underway here. Hello there. Oh, I, I want to hear with TikTok. But anyways, uh, I wanted Jeff to know he's not the only one in the thermal underwears already, underwear already. Uh, and, and then uh, my Ben Hogan wannabe, he, he went off to the golf course this <laughs> morning. I can't believe it. But, uh, oh, my God. But he, one time he came home and it had rained. I had to wring out his clothes, even his underwear. Oh, my God. Now, What did uh, Ben Hogan say? The only thing a golfer needs is more daylight. <laughs> oh, a warm weather. I mean, he's on the league, so, you know, he's very loyal to the league. Well, you're, 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 a one, you're a wonderful lady to let him play as much golf as he wants. I think that's very admirable and something that I look forward to in a person. <laughs> but, but it's good for him exercise for him, you know, with the COPD in his, in his 80s, it's a good way for him to exercise. That, that's really... It, it, it's, it's great exercise, and when I play badly, I exercise even more because I walk more. I have to walk more left and more right. And uh, <laughs> two, two more quick things. If you have a blue chip for Medicare value, blue chip for Medicare X, or a health mate for Medicare plans, you can get all this information called the Lincoln Blue Cross but you get $200 allowance, and you could use it for private golf lesson, a golf club, golf shoes, walking shoes, tennis shoes, different things like that. $200. A testimony that uh, United Health and Blue Cross and others believe that golfing is good for your health. <laughs> yeah, you get exercise equipment. There's a whole list of things. I mean, uh, a good pair of golf shoes. Uh, walking shoes for people would be a good thing. And then, oh, uh, yes. Oh, yeah, one more. I love JR when he gives the Missy's commercial and he goes, Oh, belly clams. Oh, it's like he's he, uh, mouth is watering for them. And just remember, Jeff, cold feet, warm heart. <coughs> we'll remember that. <laughs> Thank okay, you. Uh, Thanks for taking the time. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. The only thing I want to say about whole belly fried clams is that they better be whole big belly fried clams. Very tough uh, to find these days. But that's for another time. This is the Upfront Program from WNRI. I'm Roger. And uh, Chris is here, Christopher Boulay. And uh, one more topic, then we'll, we'll get to our first commercials of the day. Well, did, did you want me to take on TikTok? Sure. Tick, yeah. If you don't mind, I, 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 I didn't I, mean to uh, I don't. throw a topic at you. Uh, you know what TikTok is, huh? Yeah, it's something I don't use, but it's very, very popular. Basically, Who uses it? What, what age group? Uh, uh, I know, I know is people. Is it I know, widespread? Yeah, it's widespread. I know people in their late 40s, 50s. 
uh, use it, but I know it's really for the younger generation. It's it's a big deal. Basically, it, it's videos, and they use algorithms to send videos that you're interested in. So if they were to research me, they'd be golf videos and or what have you. And uh, it's a it's a Chinese company. But what's happened is there's a feeling that there's a lot of social engineering and that the Chinese government are actually using it to track people and to change our thoughts about things. And, and that's to say that, you know, in, in generalities. So it's something that President uh, Trump has looked into. And if they were to wanted to continue to do business in the United States, they had to turn over the technology to other companies or sell it. So... Um, Walmart has made, I think, a 7.5% investment in TikTok because they're going to use it to get out their products. And there's this software company called Oracle that's been around for many, many years out of San Francisco, started by Larry Ellison. So what the president has asked that they either sell TikTok America to either Microsoft or another company or have somebody control the technology where um, we are able to, we, the United States, are able to put circles around what the Chinese are doing. And that's what looks like what's going to happen is Oracle is going to be the um, hardware partner and they're going to control how they use these videos. And I think they took a 12.5% stake in it. And um, basically, if they go to Chinese are going to use it as a weapon, uh, the president wants to make sure that that doesn't happen. So it's a, it's a, it's a almost like a game software thing that you look at videos and um, they kind of geared to your interests. So um, before we uh, go to our break, uh, let me give you my layman's definition of what I think TikTok is based on what you said to me. Already knowing about YouTube, I have gone on YouTube and I have typed in, uh, you can tell I don't have much of a life after I leave the station, I type in um, train trips. And what happens is that Google brings me all kinds of train trips from Canada, from from uh, Europe, uh, from the United States, Amtrak train trips. And then you can watch a 30-minute video or a 90-minute video on a particular train trip. It brings in videos of my particular uh, interest. Would you say TikTok is similar? Very, very similar. It's just more for portable, or you can use YouTube, very portable. But people, I think 90% of the people using TikTok are probably using it on their iPhones or their mm-hmm. Google or Android and what have you. So it's a newer search engine for that kind of thing, then? Cor- correct. And again, b- being that it's a Chinese company and being that there's a history there, there was some real thought about are they, are they doing something nefarious here, and that's where the president stepped in. All right, Chris, um, uh, not you, Chris, uh, Chris, the guy who sent the email, or, or woman for that matter, because it could be Christine, uh, I hope you answered your question on TikTok was answered. If you have a question for us, uh, you can send us an email up front at WNRI.com, or you can call us at 769-0600. Savini's open this afternoon at 4. Savini's Pomodoro Restaurant is open for inside and outside dining, too. And you can enjoy our famous and very popular Sicilian-style pizza, clam cakes and chowder, fish and chips, fried clam sandwiches, and our full Italian specialties, too. And you can always order takeout, taking reservations for indoor and outdoor service at 762-5114. Savini's Pomodoro, Rathbun Street, Woonsocket, open Tuesday through Sunday. And yes, we always have family. Family-style chicken. Yes, and uh, of course we have a lot of uh, Italian specialties, and that Sicilian pizza is very popular. But so is our our nice sirloin steak, too, and uh, cooked to your order. So whatever your uh, 
eating desires are. They have a nice wine list, too. Check us out. We're Savini's, a Pomodoro Italian kitchen and bar, and we'll be open at 4 today. Inside or outside, I highly recommend inside dining today. Scott McGee of REMAX Properties brings his years of real estate experience to you, whether buying or selling. Check out this property currently on the market from the McGee team. Condo time here. Time to talk about a nice-looking uh, condo. I've got a nice picture of it here. We're going to Lincoln. Oh, you want to live in Lincoln? You can live at Wake Robin Road, unit number 108. This is a new listing on a condo at uh, 164 999 There are not too many... Uh, nice condos available for under 200000 but this is one of them. It's got two full bedrooms, one and a half baths, and of course, so Wake Robin was built in 2006, a relatively new building, under 20 years old, and it was updated with uh, laminate flooring. One of the larger units um, in the complex with uh, 1066 square feet of living space. And the complex was renovated last year with new siding and windows. The clubhouse has a pool to relax in and enjoy the summer. And you enjoy easy access, for sure, to Route 195 and 295. Monthly condo fees also include the heat, the water, and the sewer. And you have an assigned uh, parking spot. It's really nice living. And, of course, the mall is close by. And, really, some of the nice restaurants uh, of Lincoln are not too far away, like the Lodge Pub and Eatery, um, not too far away, and, and others. So, uh, if you'd like to see this uh, condo virtually, uh, you can call Scott McGee at 639-2906, or uh, you can make arrangements uh, to see it in a more, uh, shall we say, up-close way, too. Talk to Scott. He'll give you all the details. We have one more um, advertisement to play here on the uh, on the program, and then we'll be back to more online conversation. On-air conversation, that should be. I guess it's online, too. Kayer Kosher, your accounting, financial planning, tax preparation, and business consulting services of Woonsocket and Warwick. 600 Cass Avenue, Woonsocket, Jefferson Boulevard, and Warwick. Call us locally at 766-8100. Remember, outside of the tax season, we do planning for business, individuals, and families. We're Kayer Kosher. We're certified public accountants. Again, our local number, 766-8100. And remember, having Kayer Kosher to consult with on your personal financial situation is like having all the right answers. You're listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show. Now, let's get back to the panel. All right, the panel uh, today, this Tuesday, is uh, Roger and Chris, and we are making our way uh, to um, 9 o'clock, and so we invite you to participate by either making a phone call Phone calls are always preferred since it's a radio talk show at 7690600. But on the other hand, if it's not convenient or you don't want your voice heard or something like that, you can send us an email up front at WNRI.com. And like uh, Chris's email that came in last Thursday on TikTok, we were able to uh, catch up with it and give you a reasonable explanation. And thank you very much for doing that. Chris Boulay, who is our co-host, good morning. What do you have for another topic, or maybe you want to continue something you already had? Well, yes, I'd rather do the latter, because I don't think uh, just mentioning the passing of uh, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg is enough. Um, she was not the first female on the Supreme Court. She was the second uh, woman on the Supreme Court. And um, a couple of things I want to highlight, how partisan we've gotten regarding Supreme Court justices. But her, too, um, I don't think... We, as men, we may not appreciate the influence she's had on women in law 
and um, I've talked to a couple of female attorneys about it. And well before, sometimes people idolize or bring to attention, you know, somebody on their passing, but they didn't really focus when that person was alive. And that's not the situation with Ginsburg. Um, one individual told me that in 1997, uh, this uh, female attorney was practicing law, uh, and uh, the judge told her that she could not wear pantsuits in the uh, um, you know in the courtroom that she had to wear skirts. So that's only 1997. So you think about how things um, have changed. But uh, one thing, it looks like a female will uh, be nominated. Uh, honestly, to keep things open, I think the president should have just nominated a woman and not made a, a big deal about it. But what's going to happen, and I had done this before, and it didn't make any sense to keep the notes because it's so easy to, to research this. But if you go back and look at some of the individuals that are really well known on the Supreme Court, and you go back and you look at some of the voting, um, Sandra Day O'Connor, who was the first female confirmed in September 21st, 1981, Ronald Reagan nominated her. She was confirmed 99 to 0. Not one person uh, voted against her. And uh, Gerald Ford nominated John Paul Stevens, 98 to 0. Uh, Judge Scalia, 98 to 0. Um, I'm looking at a couple of others here. And I, I guess the interesting one also is uh, Thurgood Marshall, who was the first African-American who was on the Supreme Court. And he was nominated by Lyndon Johnson in 1967. Johnson said, you know, this is the time and place for this, and this is the man to do it. But he was confirmed 69 to 11, and only one Republican senator voted against him. Um, it was 29 to 10, I believe, for the Democrats, and 20 of them abstained for voting for him because he was an African-American. Wow. So you think about that and, and how... How bizarre that would be in this day and age, huh? Yeah, think, think about that. 20 of them abstained or voted present because they didn't want to support his nomination because he's African-American. But he still won 69 to 11. Only one single Republican voted against him. So they kind of, you know, really hurt the, the president there. Now you go forward to today's voting, and it's going to be strictly on party lines. It's, going to, it's not going to be the merit of the individual. Uh, Brett Kavanaugh uh, was voted 58, I'm sorry, excuse me, 50 to 48. Neil Gorsuch, 54-45. Samuel Alito, 58-42. And so on and so forth. So obviously it's getting more and more political. Uh, it, and you know, the Democrats have done some crazy things. They, they want to stack the court. It is silent on the number of uh, Supreme Court justices it's supposed to be in the, in the Constitution. It doesn't say. Right now there are nine. Every time the Democrats have a problem with this, they want to start packing the court. And they say, well, let's make it 15. Let's make it 20. And it's just bad precedent whenever... Uh, and I'd love to have somebody call and defend the, the Democratic side. But whenever something like this happens... They'll use the courts as a weapon uh, again for their agenda, as opposed to having the courts do what they're supposed to do: interpret the Constitution. And uh, it, it's just sad to see, but this will right, be right down party lines. And if, in fact, the Democrats were to take the Senate, um, no matter who qualified and who was, quali was a quality person, the uh, Democrats would vote this person down. So, you know, the uh, Justice uh, Ginsburg. She, she she had said uh, allegedly on her deathbed that she didn't want to be replaced until 
um, you know, after the election, you know, that's the same as, you know, not her decision. It's not her decision. So, so, and also in 2016, it was very prominent and it's on videotape and it was on the New York Times where she said that it's the constitutional duty of the president, sitting president to, uh, to to basically nominate somebody and try to fill the position. And that was during the last year of, um, of Obama. So, the hypocrisy is just crazy right now. So they say they got the votes and the president's going to put forward somebody and we'll, we'll see how it all goes. It looks like it's going to be Judge Amy Coney Barrett, who was considered last time uh, when Kavanaugh, she was on the short list and she's already met with the president allegedly. And she's the front runner and the president's going to uh, uh, nominate somebody either Friday or Saturday. I, I bet it would be Saturday. And why Saturday? Um, it usually has to do with, uh, you know, one of the uh, uh, one of the tenets of journalism. If you're in journalism school, that if you're going to break a controversial story and you want uh, very little uh, discussed about it, um, whether it be on radio or television or uh, even bantered about uh, over the weekend, release it on Saturday. And by the time Monday comes around, hopefully it might be what we call Old news. <laughs> yes. And that is the concept behind it. We have one caller uh, waiting here on the Upfront program. It is a talk show. So your calls and comments are welcome. Let's press the magic button and see what kind of uh, remarks we get here. Hello there. How you doing, Roger? Um, Hi. Just to, just, just to touch on what you and Chris are talking about, about this uh, nomination. Yep. Doesn't everybody understand that? The Republicans only have to sit back and say, gee, we are now enlightened, and now we understand what the Democrats were saying, that we do need to put forth a nomination to fulfill the courts. This is what every one of them was screaming about in 2016. Every Democrat said they had to do it. We, you know, we're just holding back. So we should just sit back and say, you're right. We made a mistake in 2016, and we're going to correct it by putting forth a justice within the president's last term. Uh, last year, so uh, it just it just it, it, it kills me that just this short amount of time they've they've changed their opinion, and now it's the devil if we do what they were asking us to do for you three years ago. So, with that, uh, gentlemen, have a good day. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. I- one hundred percent with with that gentleman. It's just so easy to to uh, juxtapose the situations. They're, they're pretty much exactly the same, and the Democrats are just being phony about it. And in two thousand thirteen, again, uh, Senator Harry Reid, uh, Senate President, pushed forward the nuclear option. If they if he hadn't done that. Um, Whoever is nominated will not have the votes at this point, and that's that's terrible. It's going to be right down party lines. So I guess there's two Republican senators who are crossing line are not going to support, but there's enough of a majority. And as I, I mentioned before, everyone knows that the vice president um, breaks the tie in the Senate, so that gives the president a little bit of leeway. But yeah, it was Merrick Garland who uh, who lapsed, and the, the um, they were the the Republicans controlled the Senate, and. Um, they were very, very upset about it, and this gentleman pointed out the hypocrisy right there. Will this nomination get 
as much scrutiny as the last nomination. Uh, this one it sounds like uh, is going to go through much quicker than the other one. Um, well, it's going to be a one-issue situation, I think. I think, you know, and I don't have any inside information. I, I just know what everyone else you knows. Don't. I do not. Well, I thought you did. Well, we, we, we're working on that. We can talk about that when I finally have something solid there. But, <laughs> okay. Um, it looks like it's going to be federal court judge Amy uh, Coney Barrett. And when she, you know, it's not just Supreme Court justices that come before the Senate. They're, they're, it's a federal appointments get reviewed, too. And, and, and she was crucified for, for being Catholic. And um, I, I don't recall the senator to come to me. I'll look it up during a break. But one senator said, you know, you're going to overturn Roe v. Wade because you're Catholic. And that goes back to the same thoughts of Jack Kennedy when he was running in 1960. The Republicans were saying, well, he's going to be beholden to the Pope. And therefore, the Pope is going to have say over the United States. And that wasn't the case. I don't think anyone feels it was the case ever. But uh, they're going to make an issue of her being um Catholic, and I, most people would say, you know, I'm against abortion for, in most situations, and I, and I try to keep an open mind because I, I'm not a woman and it's not my body. So, but generally speaking, as a Catholic, I'm, I'm against that. But I think Roe v. Wade in 1973 is the la, la, uh, law of the land. And I don't think, even if there's nine Republican appointees on the Supreme Court, I don't think they're going to overturn it. So that's my feelings about it. Um, I just don't feel that strong. The, the, the liberals feel very, very strongly about this. And every time they see a Republican uh, nominee, they think uh, Roe versus Wade. And then they feel like, okay, we are in a worse situation because we don't want to interpret the Constitution. We want to do social engineering. We want to do whatever we need to do. And it's, it's very obvious um, that the other side is, I don't think, playing fair. You are on the Upfront program on WNRI. Before we pause for another commercial, I just want to, um, this is kind of like a newsy story rather than an opinionated story. Um, but uh, on the other hand, because it involves finance, you may want to comment, uh, Chris, at the uh, end of a very short um, little dissertation I'm going to give. The tax revenue, we're talking about the state of Rhode Island now, the tax revenue even fewer uh, expenses uh, than uh, we expected. We're actually doing well in collecting taxes, and that's going to um, maybe help the uh, the state put together its budget. And some of the uh, places where we we're doing fine, for instance, taxes on on banks, uh, financial institutions, uh, they um, they were um, you know the banks in good shape, and so they paid their taxes. And they had a lot of taxes to pay, over $44 million, and, and they, uh, they did well. Revenue from personal income taxes, which represents the state's uh, lion's share of income, proved better than expected. Uh, another $46 million more than the anticipated $1.4 billion. And our sales and use tax, you would think the sales tax has gone down. Maybe you're not spending as much over at Target. But they're collecting that sales tax over at Amazon, uh, 
And the money is coming in from the sales tax. Right. When you make a purchase now on Amazon, you see that um, they have that 7% sales tax. And there's others. Taxes on business corporations, 11.8% higher than expected. Rhode Island lottery people, uh, I don't know if they're using their stimulus checks or, or just just having extra cash, but they're spending plenty on the Rhode Island lottery and it is doing fine. So uh, is the state going bankrupt? Um, do we have a deficit? Yes, we do. But revenues are coming in higher than expected in some categories that we didn't expect. A comment before we hit the commercial, Chris. Well, you made an excellent point. Amazon, even though it's one company, is doing hundreds of billions of dollars in sales, and they continue to grow, and they continue to be dominant. I think the state would have a big, big hole. I think it was 30 to $40 million that the state was... Uh, not getting in collection of sales tax on Amazon a couple of years ago. And obviously, um, wherever you, then it was an issue of you had to have a physical presence in the state. You know, that, that went by the wayside. So it's probably $50 million that people are going to spend in sales and use tax in Rhode Island uh, from Rhode Island residents. So that really helps. You know, personal income is a lagging indicator. That's from 2019. So that has everything, in my opinion, to do with the president's policy of improving the economy. So, yeah, people still have to spend. It's just taking a different direction. You know, Walmart, Target Online, um, Amazon Online, it's just going a different direction. But again, you made the excellent point. If, it, if Amazon was still sales tax exempt, uh, I think the state would have a big problem. Thank you for your contribution on that and, uh, and your contribution on the program in general. What is your contribution? Well, we're going to take a break, and we're going to tell you that you can call in now. Jeff is um, standing by in the other room, uh, ready to take your call and put you on hold. We value your opinion. We value uh, what you uh, have to say about things. It helps us develop our perspective, too, and broaden our perspective on things. So please feel free to offer your comments. The Roast House is open seven days a week, and our hours are 1130 a.m. to 9 p.m. And we're featuring outside dining and inside dining and of course takeout to make a reservation to dine or to place an order at the roast house call 508-883-7700 and check our menu on the internet for theroasthouse.com thank you for your support during this period of transition the roast house farm street blackstone we welcome back old and new customers for inside and outside dining Wright's Bakery and Dairy Farm announces, while we have paused in-store shopping for now, we have curbside pickup daily during our regular business hours, Monday through Saturday, 8 a.m. to 7 p.m. and Sundays, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Milk, cream, eggs, cheese, bread, ice cream, cakes, and more than 70 of your favorite bakery items are available every day for pickup. There are three ways to order. One by phone, call the farm at 401-767-3014 extension 4 to place your order. Pay by credit card and select a pickup day and time. Two, on site. Order from your car, online or over the phone. Wait in your vehicle while our team in real time fills your order. Wait times may vary. And number three, to view our current menu and place an order online or to view frequently asked questions, go to rightsdairyfarm.com. Stay safe while we work through these unusual times. This message from Wright's Bakery and Dairy Farm, North Smithfield. 
Champs Liquors for Keyway, 481 Clinton Street, Woonsocket. Still on sale, Tisdale Wines from California. In six varieties, including a Pinot Grigio, Merlot, Cabernet, White Zinfandel, Chardonnay, and a Moscato. And yes, it's still two bottles for $10. Share in life's endless possibilities with Tisdale Vineyards of California. Quality wine. And we continue the best price in town on Bud and Bud Light. 30-pack, $25.50 plus tax. Champs Liquors for Keyway, Clinton Street, Woonsocket. Champs Liquors now offers in-store shopping. Come on in and browse around. You're welcomed. Social distancing observed at Champs Liquors. And remember, if you have a question, call us at 765-1800 and we'll cheerfully answer any question you have about beer, wine, and liquors. Champs Liquors for Keyway, Woonsocket. You're listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show. Now, let's get back to the panel. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Upfront radio program. And uh, I'm Roger. Chris is here. We're here on a Monday through Friday basis, uh, taking your calls and also giving you our views on things. We like to think that they're, uh, well, shall we say, uh, broad points of view. Um, but um, I guess it depends on where you are politically uh, as, uh, as you interpret these. But we do our best. Good morning, Christopher Boulay. Good morning, Mr. Bouchard. Um, there's an article that is from, I guess, the um, Province Business News. And, yes, uh, it was published today, incidentally. This is not an old story. I just, I, you know, when I go into the coffee shop every morning, I check Providence Business News, and they release it at about 4.50 in the morning. Uh, so I look at it at about five after five, and I saw the story that concerned Woonsocket. Now we've heard of heard the story before, but this is their interpretation of it. Yeah, and I appreciate you giving me access to that because I got an email the last couple of days to renew my province business news, and I'd rather save the money and rely on you. And I thank you very much. Uh, not a problem. I'm here for you. But the same story about Woonsocket's credit rating is has a different spin to it, and. It kind of ties in with what we talked about last week, where we thought the the mayor's um, press release was a little disingenuous regarding what actually happened. And if you were to look at it, it was actually a downgrade. So this is from uh, Province Business News, released uh, yesterday. Fitch upholds triple B rating for Winsocket, but downgrades outlook from positive to stable. So... It says, when Socket Fitch Ratings upheld its bond and issued default ratings for the city, but downgraded its rating outlook from positive to stable amid the broader economic decline, according to a news release. So this individual, Miss Nancy Laven, who I do not know. She's a reporter for Providence Business News, I believe. She is, and mm-hmm. uh, she, this, she has the byline. And she did a little bit more digging. I guess she actually read the press release instead of doing a cut and paste and recognized that there was actually a slight downgrade from positive to stable. And um, the press release before last year, you know, it was highlighted that we had a positive uh, rating. So this Providence Business News article and the crux of it agrees with what we saw last week is that it was a downgrade. And the reason we're even bringing this up again is that... uh, Providence Business News could care less about the credit rating of Woonsocket or Westerly or Little Compton or Gloucester. All they do is print business news. And uh, could I have that headline again? The headline, the reason it caught my attention, the headline is um, 
basically Finch upholds BBB plus rating for Woonsocket and downgrades the outlook from positive to stable. So um, they're just simply saying it is a downgrade. They don't care about who's elected mayor of the city of Woonsocket. They're just reporting the news. And basically it was represented to us um, in a news release last week as an upgrade. And um, so there's um, a difference of opinion. You may say it's a misunderstanding if you want to be uh, polite. Or you may say it was, um, um, shall we say, um, news that was reworked uh, to uh, sound good. So um, there's my view. I'm trying to be as objective as I can about it because these news stories from Fitch, we, we like to, um, we like to, we like to report, but we like to report exactly what they said, not an interpretation, a political interpretation of what they say. And, and again, you don't have to be a financial advisor. You don't have to be uh, well-versed in finance. To, if you understand the English language, it says right there that it was a downgrade from positive to stable. So it's not like you've got to take anyone's word for it, but there was a disagreement between um, b- the, both people running for mayor regarding what it actually meant. And to, as far as I'm concerned, you laid it out exactly. Uh, Province Business News couldn't care less about our politics. They just reported the story correctly that it was actually a downgrade. And, you know, um, I don't think, um, you know, you might say, well, this is political. You know, believe me, I don't think it affects who's going to become mayor of the city of Woonsocket one way or the other. Because on this September 22nd, I'm uh, pretty sure that a lot of people already know where they're headed in terms of, um, of who they're going to elect for Woonsocket City Council. I know I was asked the other day from a friend, could I make a list for them, a list that I'm not going to share, could I make a list of candidates that uh, I would recommend for them to vote on? And so I did, and I gave uh, this individual the list. Now, whether he will vote along those lines, I'm not sure, but um, I was flattered that he asked me for the list. But... um, but again, uh, I, I think the point I'm making is that a lot of people already know who those people are. In my particular case, um, there are seven people running for city council. That list had only five names on it. Uh, that's how, how poorly um, the uh, city council representation uh, is represented uh, this time around from my from my point of view, from my political point of view, to others, uh, they might have to make a choice, seven out of out of nine, because they think nine are outstanding. It's, um, have you made up your mind? I, I, I have, pretty much, and unlike you, I will go public with, with who I'm voting for. I, I don't care what anyone thinks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you've got more guts than I do, I admit. I know there's more guts. <laughs> I, I just don't care. Um, and I'll, I'll do that probably a week before uh, uh-huh. who I'm voting. And well, that'll be interesting radio. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anyone really cares. But, I care. Uh, okay, I, but you, you can, whether I'm right or wrong about, you know, if it's not representing your candidate or not, um, you, rest assured, I've been paying attention to all of the issues, and I'm going to have a reasoned uh, decision why I'm voting for each person. I'm really uh, happy that you're doing that, uh, Chris, and I'll tell you why. What you are doing is not unusual in the realm of journalism. It used to be that uh, on the weekend before an election, it used to be that uh, 
newspapers had, uh, well, they were big bureaucracies. They had uh, a couple of hundred people working for them, and they had what they called an editorial board. Uh, you know, the publisher and the associate publisher and the editor, they all would meet, and then they would agree on a, on some candidates. And then in that Sunday edition, it would say the Boston Globe or the Providence uh, Journal or the Woonsocket Call. I remember the Woonsocket Call making endorsements the weekend before the election. Well, newspapers are very, very different these days, and so... Very seldom do you get a chance to listen to somebody who has studied the issues and see what they're going to vote for on Election Day. So that's why, in that regard, because we're not going to see the Socket Call take a position uh, from their editorial board. And the reason you don't see that is they don't have an editorial board. They basically have um, uh, a couple of reporters that work for them, and they have an editor in the newsroom. And then they have a publisher down in West Warwick uh, who's more involved in, uh, and, and I'm not criticizing the call, just showing how, how newspapers are structured these days. They have an, uh, a publisher in West Warwick, and she, she kind of runs more the business end just to make sure that enough income comes in to sustain not only the Woonsocket Call, but the Pawtucket Times and the other publications that they have around the state of Rhode Island. So newspapers are structured differently, and and so those um, endorsements at uh, you know just before election day are far and few in between. And so that's my I'm very sorry for taking so long to explain it, but that's why I uh, am looking forward to that. Okay. All right. Yeah. And maybe I'll get enough guts to do it too. <laughs> <laughs> I doubt it. Yeah. You know, you know who also doesn't care about um, city politics. <clears throat> Who's that? Is Seth Magazine or mm-hmm. our treasurer? Mm-hmm. Um, if you're a regular listener, you, you know I think very highly of Seth. Um, not to re- uh, regurgitate stuff, but when he came on and ran for for uh, for treasurer, I didn't think he'd be nearly as effective as he is. And um, you know we'll, we can talk about that. But he put out a report, and and again. Whether you support this administration or not, or whoever you're going to vote for, uh, um, the, the scope of the information that Seth put together in this group, uh, it doesn't involve politics. It's actually, you know, facts don't care about your feelings. So one of the issues I have, uh, it's a personal issue, it's a financial issue, is the, the city pension plan. Um, we have the worst performing pension plan in the last five years by, by a lot. It, it, it's an incredible amount. And um, not to rehash old things, but I don't think you even need to be a financial advisor to realize how, how conservative we were. And I know Roland Michaud uh, has commented on it very elegantly in saying that, you know, we had a third sitting in cash, a third sitting in fixed income, and then a third in mixed equities, and we completely underperformed the market. And, um, again, th- this, is not, this is not high finance here. If you were to look at the other pension plans around the country, most of them are 70-30, uh, 70% equity, 30% fixed income. Some, like Lincoln, which is also well run uh, under the direction of John Wood, is 60-40. And um, so what, what I did is I did a little spreadsheet and I looked at the returns that the city had since 2014. And I s- said, okay, let's take an imaginary portfolio of half stocks, half bonds. So what I'll say to clients is if they're not sure what to do, you, you start at, that's a starting point. Half stocks, half bonds, you can only be half wrong. And if we had that portfolio in place, 
um, it's, it's in the millions of dollars. It's well over $10 million of lost opportunity that um, we had in the pension plan. And, you know, th- there are reasons why they did it. I don't think they're legitimate, but that's just my feeling as a taxpayer, not as a financial advisor. But there's a hidden expense of in, in well over $10 million that uh, is going to have to be paid. And um, it, it, it's unfortunate the, the way it happened. But, again, these are not my interpretations. Anyone can see that we had the worst performing prevention uh, – Worst performing pension plan out of any municipality in the last five years. And those things hurt. Sometimes there's a reason why you're a distressed community. And throwing away millions of dollars uh, is, is, is challenging to do that when it's very, very preventable. All right. Do, um, uh, so Winsocket um, has a pension program that takes care of not everybody. Uh, just uh, I, I think it's police and fire that uh, – uh, and. And maybe a few other employees, but but a lot of communities have switched over to the state somehow, and uh, so they don't have to worry about managing their own pension plan individually. Oh, I could be wrong on that, um, but I for some reason I don't think that the Boroughville town manager has to worry about uh, the Boroughville pension plan. I don't know. I could be wrong. Well, what what happened, and, and this is not the fault of this administration, it's, it, it, to me, it was just bad execution. I think the idea was good. You know, people have uh, criticized Mike Martineau, who pushed this forward, and I, th- I said it back then. I say now I think it was a good idea, just the execution was, was terrible. But we had hundreds of fire and policemen, and we had a pay-as-you-go system. So I think many taxpayers recognize what we did is we borrowed the money, around six and a quarter percent. And then the idea was to earn 8.5%, and we borrowed $90 million. Well, we borrowed the wrong amount of money because the actuarial numbers were wrong. And then the performance didn't meet expectations. And then to exacerbate things, which is no fault of this administration, there's a make-whole provision in the bonds. So those bonds are taxable uh, to the investor, so they're not pure municipal bonds. And at six and a quarter, they, that's what the city's paying, and they can't be refinanced, basically – there's an enormous, what you'd call a prepayment penalty, so the city has to live with it. We just you know, could have done a better job. So, yes, anyone after, I think it was 1983, 84, I believe, or maybe it was 86, is in the state pension plan. So the state's managing it, and you can make a great um, argument that uh, these things should be folded up. The problem is the liability doesn't go away. The liability is, I think, $100 million, and we can have the state run our money, and we can get the economies and efficiency. So, you know, that's, that's, the, issue, that's the issue there. You know, the, the problem I have, and, 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 I'll, and I'll handle it. Anyone wants to call in, you know, from the administration, you can deal with it. But on April 10th of 2014, I had a conversation with the mayor, and they said, you know, I'm concerned about the pension plan. I, I spoke as a private citizen at the pension plan, and they told me to go pound sand. I, I think we're going to have a problem here. And she looked me in the eye and said, I'm not your mayor. Leo's your mayor. And your, your, in, your input is basically not welcomed. And that kind of really bothered me. And that's one of the deciding factors where, about who I'm going to vote for is, and I've said this before, and I think it's, you know, it's common knowledge, <laughs> neither candidate is going to get 100% of the votes. You know, it, it'll it'll be close, I would think, and somebody has to reach over to the other side and say, you know, you didn't vote for me to support me. I'm going to show you what, why you should have, and I'm going to do a good job for you, regardless of who you voted for. That's the attitude I want to see. Is it um, 
I know that um, maybe it's an improper question uh, based on what you do for a living, but is it is it too late to save the pension plan in in Woonsocket, or uh, are we are we talking about what should have been done and could have been done, but on the other hand, it's too late to do anything now? Well, again, I, I go back, and again, I'm speaking as a, as a private citizen, as a taxpayer, if you're not sure what to do, you do half stocks and half bonds, and the portfolio continues to underperform. So, and I don't have this in front of me, but in the last, you know, five years, according to, not according to me, according to the treasurer, we earned 4.59% on, on an average, and the average pension plan did almost 9%. I still would maintain, you know... You know, I went to race car driving school, and one of the things that I took from there, I got to go a few times, fortunately, out in Ohio, and they say, when you're getting into a car accident, the only time to stop trying to steer that car is when you're upside down and on fire. So you've always got the ability to minimize the damage. So a lot of people, what they'll do is they'll give up the steering wheel and just let the accident happen. Um, I think that's what this administration did. And if it was me in charge, I would say do at least do half stocks, half bonds. It, there's always a risk. I think the risk was calculated by the Minot administration and just the, the um, execution was poor. We didn't borrow enough money. The actuarial tables were wrong. And, um, you know, we, we could have done something different. I don't know if that answered your question. It did answer my so question. So the answer is no. I don't think it's too late. The car, the car is not upside down. It's not on fire. All right. I think you did. You're on the Upfront program on WNRI. It's our Tuesday edition. We're doing a whole bunch of topics uh, today. And uh, you may have a comment. But if you do, uh, make it quick because we're just about done uh, with time on the program. I said just about done. But not um, not enough. Um, we've got enough time to tell you about one of our great sponsors. Inside dining, outside dining, or your favorite pickup order to go from Grumpy's Restaurant, Bellingham. Open seven days a week with a great luncheon menu and a full menu from burgers to steaks to seafood to our Italian dishes and our tasty pizzas. One of the best menus in the area. Hungry tonight or today? Come on in today and enjoy the friendly service, reasonable prices, and great food at Grumpy's. Call ahead for pickup order or place a reservation to dine in at 508-883-0101. Grumpy's, one night. Pulaski Boulevard, Bellingham, Massachusetts. Grubhub delivery also available. We have one more ad, but we uh, want to remind you when we come back from this ad, we'll be telling you about the uh, presidential election debate dates. There's a church nearby where members are kind and friendly. May we invite you to attend services at the Cumberland Church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Services are now available on Facebook or Skype on the Internet. Call 658-2748 for information on seeing us online. It's the church where you can hear the gospel, believe in Christ, repent, confess, and be baptized. Join us this week for our prayer and Bible study, Wednesday at 7 p.m. and Sunday services at 1 p.m. Our sermons are understandable to grow you in faith and available online. Again, we are the Cumberland Church of the Lord Jesus Christ, inviting you on your journey of salvation, with services now available on Facebook and Skype. Services conducted by Pastor Marcus Warren. Services tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. You're listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show. Now, let's get back to the panel. I say services, this Bible study at 7 o'clock on Wednesdays at the church. Services Sunday at 1. All right, we're back. Roger and Chris. And uh, so, uh, Joe Biden, Donald Trump, face-to-face. 
Yes, uh, you had asked about this. We talked about it a couple of times. Is there actually going to be a debate? And I have this uh, piece, Election Brief, and I think I failed to send it to you. But there's a countdown. It's published on September 20th, a couple of days ago. And it notes that the first presidential debate is nine days away. The, really? Yes. <laughs> and the vice presidential debate is going to be one is 17 days away. <laughs> the second presidential debate is 25 days away. And the third presidential debate is scheduled for 32 days away. And the election at this point is 44 days away, so 41 now. So we have three presidential debates coming up. Yes. I, uh, well, that, uh, I'll tell you that, that uh, even though I, I pretty much know how I'm voting locally, um, boy, that could, that could change a lot of people's minds, uh, those uh, three debates seeing um, either the strength of one candidate or the weakness of another. Thank you, Chris. Yeah, I think, uh, I think Nancy, my prediction is Nancy Pelosi is going to threaten to impeach the president for elder abuse during the debate. Goodbye, everybody. This has been WNRI's Upfront, presented weekday mornings at 8 a.m. Upfront is a regular public affairs presentation of News Talk 1380, WNRI Woonsocket. USA Radio News with Chris Barnes. Parts of the Gulf Coast are being drenched again, this time by Tropical Storm Beta, which made landfall on the Texas coast last night. The rising storm surge having an impact on, among other places, Surfside Beach, Texas, where this man says... So much property lost on the beach, though. It's, it's amazing, just in one little storm. Some parts of the Texas Gulf Coast could see over 10 inches of rain from the storm. Latest efforts to avoid a federal government shutdown appearing to be failing with just nine days to go. House Democrats have introduced a short-term spending bill, but it doesn't include some bailout money for farmers that President Trump is calling for. Senate Republicans say they will vote against that bill once the House passes it later this week. And you're listening to USA Radio News. Hi, this is Dave Rahus from Case. These last five months have been some of the best and the worst times to be in the restaurant business. However, as summer fades and fall begins, we will continue to bring you some of the most unique menu items that have never been seen at Case. Who would have thought? Lobster mac and cheese, Caesar salad, caprese salad, homemade meatballs, oysters, little mix, ahi tuna, just to name a few. A new special that's even hard to describe, made of corn in a lobster cream sauce. Coming this fall, we will have things like chicken corn on blue, baked stuffed chicken, meat pies, chicken pot pies, and the list goes on and on. I will make it very interesting to you, our great customers, that we can't thank enough for your continued support along with our incredible staff. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts, Dave and Donald LaHousse. The Republican chairman of the U.S. Senate Judiciary Panel says Republicans have the votes to confirm President Trump's Supreme Court nominee, whoever it is, before Election Day. South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham saying that Democrats' efforts to stop a vote will fail. It's pretty obvious they want an outcome. They'll destroy anybody's life to keep these seats open. They said they tried to destroy Brett Kavanaugh so they could fill the seat. They were dumb enough to say that. I've seen this movie before. It's not going to work. It did 
get work with Kavanaugh. We've got the votes. Graham was speaking on Fox News. President Trump says he'll announce a nominee to succeed the late Ruth Bader Ginsburg late Friday or on Saturday. The Justice Department is identifying New York City, Seattle, and Portland, Oregon as anarchist jurisdictions. Earlier this month, President Trump asked the Attorney General William Barr and the Office of Management and Budget to review federal funding for those cities. This is USA Radio News. The Roast House Blackstone is open for dining seven days a week. Our hours are 11.30 a.m. to 9 p.m. And we're featuring inside and outside dining, weather permitting, and of course, takeout. To make a reservation to dine inside or outside, or to place an order at the Roast House Restaurant, call 508-883-7700. And check out our menu on the internet at theroasthouse.com. Roast House Farm Street Blackstone welcomes back old and new customers. Details. The Trump administration putting new sanctions on the government of Iran. Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin saying the U.S. will not allow Iran to endanger the world with ballistic missile development. And Defense Chief Mark Esper says Iran does continue to engage in aggressive and destabilizing behavior. A University of Georgia fraternity is suspended after racist texts to a student were posted online. But the student wants more action taken. She's calling for the chapter to be revoked and its members expelled altogether. The 20-year-old has been on a crusade to make the campus and community safe after noticing a sorority not practicing social distancing. And she believes that's what led to the texts on a private messaging app. The school called the comments outrageous and offensive saying the issue is being investigated today is the first day of autumn or fall if you will and on this day both day and night are equal 12 hours of light 12 hours of dark the autumnal equinox signifies the start of shorter days and longer nights in the northern hemisphere and the opposite in the southern hemisphere Whatever the season, you can always find more out about USA Radio online at usaradio.com. That's usaradio.com. And for USA Radio News, I'm Chris Barnes. WNRI Winsocket. This weather report is brought to you by Sharon Tree Services. We offer commercial and residential tree services, including tree removal, pruning, stump grinding, land clearing, and storm debris removal. While focusing on efficiency and timeliness, we strive for customer satisfaction. Call the experts. Call Sharon Tree Services, 883-8823. That's 508-883-8823. 68 on your Tuesday. Winds increasing in that 20-mile-an-hour range throughout your Tuesday afternoon, so a blustery day. 52 overnight, clearing into your Wednesday. We'll we'll warm up into the upper 70s. Expected highs around 78 degrees with sunshine. This is Jeff Gamash with WRI Weather.